0: We are breaking from uh, Hosea for two weeks. We were going to go straight from Isaiah, I mean from Acts to Hosea, but we've decided the session has uh, requested that we do something else for a couple of weeks. Uh, by the way, we will take Acts back up in January um, after we celebrate uh, Christ's incarnation. Um, but we felt like it's important. Because of what's going on in our nation in general, that we all the more remind ourselves of who we are and what God is doing in our midst uh, as his people. Um, we see tremendous fault lines, of course, in our society at this point. And I think we all realize that it doesn't really matter how the election goes, that the fault lines are there major, major issues that face us uh, as a nation. And we're not sure. Everybody has different ideas of how we will move forward in this. And the, the problem, of course, with us is the cracks tend to enter into uh, the church. They tend to what separates society can separate us from one another. This is always the case. It is always the enemy 's purpose to do this to divide us, um, but perhaps now we see it more visibly. we see the dangers around us and it doesn 't matter what side you take of any issue whatever we tend to uh, turn against each other over matters that aren 't central so this is a family talk really, uh, but you know you can visit a family and spend an evening with them and hear the way they talk and the way they deal with each other. And you can learn a lot. So if you're visiting with us, we we don't want to exclude you, but welcome you into family talk as we uh, seek to encourage one another in Christ. Particularly, we face anxiety uh, due to the situation in the country, uh, due to COVID, due to uh, divisions over political, um, social issues and This anxiety is is bad for a church. Anxiety tends to cause the church to make bad decisions and to turn against each other. So we need to be renewed in just the the general uh, things of Scripture so that we strengthen ourselves in Christ as the people of God. So uh, join me, please, in reading uh, with me uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Let us pray. O oh Lord, give us united hearts around your word and around our Lord Jesus Christ and around our imitation of Christ. O oh Lord, give us grace by your mighty spirit, we pray. Amen. Now, a, a common... Or, Misunderstanding of this passage And it's, it, it's easy to think this way Is when he uses this word Which he uses twice In the second verse Have the same mind And have one mind Now that doesn't mean That we're all going to You know be Texas fans or Texas A&M Or Texas Tech or TCU Or uh, 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 Oklahoma um, <clears throat> Doesn't mean either that we have the same uh, desire, or we all binge on the same things, right? We all we all are binging uh, Downton Abbey, or we all binge Breaking Bad, or we all binge Seinfeld, or we all binge Barbie: The Life in the Dream House. Yes, right. Yes. Uh huh. Which now in 2018 has become even more exciting. Barbie adventures in the play, in the dream house. Whew, can't wait uh, to get started on that one. But obviously this is not what one mind means. Thinking the same thing. Even more serious things like uh, all being Democrats or all being Republicans. Or all having the same exact view of how we should try to deal with racism in our, our nation. Things that might be closer to home that could separate us. <clears throat> but the mind he's talking about is defined very carefully in, in verse 3 and 4. That is, count one another as more important than yourselves. And look out for each other's interest, not only your own. That word "look look out is the word that we get scope from, right? So scope out others all the time. And what their interests and their needs are. Don't just look at yourself. And this word important or significant. Sometimes it's translated important. Sometimes uh, significant. <clears throat> when he says count one another is more important. I want you to think a little bit about who might be important to you. It could be for instance uh, a client that you have. And it's a client that contributes big time to your fund or whatever it is, and they come unexpectedly. How important is it that you treat them well, right? How important to listen to them? How important, how attentive you will be? Or maybe it's an investor in a a project and they walk in and, oh man, you're all about, right? Uh, Wanting to listen and and pay attention uh, to them. It could be a boss that It's so important for you to please and you admire this boss and and you want to, you know, help the company along. So they're very important. It could be an athlete or it could be a famous chef that comes in the room, right? Or it could be a famous singer that you see. But in all these cases, these are important people. Get the point here, right? Regard one another as important people. As more important than yourself, for sure. That's the given here, and so to be concerned with what they're feeling, what they need, how I can serve and and help meet their needs. That's what having one mind is, and it it means here, of course, in terms of uh, application that lesser peripheral issues that we face culturally and politically can actually make us think less of one another. Yeah. Even to the point of disgust or hardness of heart or resentment, and it can create new lines of fellowship, different rooms to belong to within our fellowship, each condemning the other. That's the polar opposite, right, of considering one another as more important, but suddenly people could become less important to us and the things that we stand for. And we're underscoring also here as he moves on and uses the same word that he uses twice in verse two. He uses it in verse five. This time have the mind of Christ. So have this one mind, Count one another's more important. Put others' interests ahead of yours. And in fact, that is, have the mind of Christ. That's the one mind we're to have. And I've entitled this this point, the mind of God. Because the mind of Christ is the mind of God. As John said, nobody's ever seen God, but Jesus has revealed him or uh, Jesus is the exegesis or the exposition of God. And so, as, as well, in this passage, we we see that Jesus was, it says in verse 6, he was in the form of God. It also speaks of his being e- equal with God. He is God. And we've got to remind ourselves his prerogatives as God. You know, his absolute Authority to call the shots as he wants. Like in creation, he made it, he runs it, he ends it when he wants to. And everything in it, even to allow evil, is ultimately going to accomplish his purpose. He is going to use everything in this world to further his purpose. And no matter how many people have, have, however, how many plans, it says in the Psalms, We may have counsel, but it's his counsel, his plan that stands. So he is absolutely God. And yet he chooses this. Or or you think of him in creation of, as as Job puts it, he loads up the clouds with moisture. I just love that. Like, you know, (laughs) taking a bunch of moisture and loading up these clouds, right? And then it talks about these clouds. Well, He he sends them to send forth his lightning. It's his lightning. He owns the lightning. He tells it where to fall. It says he turns the clouds whichever way he wants. They go this way. They go around. They change direction according to what he wants. And then it goes on to say that he sends them for either... For either correction or his land or for love, he does it. I mean, that's a great section. It's the end of Job 37 or in in Job 37. But that's just telling us these things are controlled ultimately by God. I'd love to see a weatherman, you know, uh, We see this cold front that God is bringing in from, oh, wow, this God's bringing the whole Arctic down into Texas, you know, just to talk in those terms uh, like like Job does. But the fact that he is in control, he started Laura August 16. He knew it was going to hit at Cameron, Louisiana, August 27, and he knew it would have winds of 150 miles per hour. Because he did it. We have to keep underscoring this because what did he do with his prerogative? What did he do with this unlimited power? He could he could call the shots however he wants to. He can do whatever he wants to do. But as Paul says here, he didn't count that equality a thing to be grasped. I think the NIV really gets at the meaning here You know, he says he didn't take equality with God and use it for his advantage. When you can do anything, you have all power and you lay down that power to serve sinful people who rebelled against you. That's who this God is. That's what... He has revealed himself to be. That's why I favor with others the the translation. Not although he was in the form of God. But since he was in the form of God. Since he was God. This is what God does. This is who God is. He's a God who lays himself down. Even though he saw in full technicolor. The extent of evil in each one of us. Yet he loved us fiercely and loves us forever. And as our translation has it, we have his mind in Christ. That, that's hinted at in verse one, even that if we have koinonia or participation, communion with the Spirit, which we do, this is just, it's not just a wild possibility. This is the reality into which his people can walk. That none of us lives to our own advantage, but we're constantly laying ourselves out and we collectively have the mind of Christ in the way we humble ourselves and serve one another. It's what Paul says in Romans chapter 15, verse 3. He says, don't let everyone please his neighbor for his neighbor's good because Christ himself didn't please himself. You see, it's the same thing. Jesus didn't please himself, but he took on a loose translate, but he took on the hatred of the world, the reproaches that go to God. He took them on himself, you know, I love what uh, one of the um, one of Ryan and Ada's girls said in uh, our our interview with her, and she was describing her relationship to Christ and who is Christ. And she said, "Well, He came to Earth and He died for us, though we were sinners. He who does that <laughs> that who could say it any better, right? I've quoted her over and over, and I want to—I want to constantly feel that myself, right? To constantly be in awe. That's who you are. That's who you are. Who does that? Nobody, but God does that. That's who our God is. So, the mind of God is where Paul starts here. Have that mind. And he defines it very clearly what that will look like. And of course, we have to work it out in all of the particular stresses and difficulties and things that would tend to divide us. We have to work that principle out as we ha- as we face these difficulties. But then he goes to, in verses 12 and 13, I'll, I'll get back to 9 and 11, hopefully at the end. But in Philippians 2, 12 and 13... There's a a huge encouragement. Now, first, there is a a blatant and almost shocking command to us that we work out our own salvation. You work it out. You work out your salvation. And in this context, it means uh, growth and development and, and sanctification. Now, to work it out, this word means to thoroughly accomplish it, to produce it, make it happen. So, it, and, and we've got to also see that this is in a particular context here in Philippians 1. If you're like me, for years, I had cut out 12 and 13 and I used it very personally, and only me, you, Darwin, work out your salvation. But that's not what it says. And that's why we need a Southern Bible, Right? We need a Southern Bible because we have a plural word. The regular English doesn't, but we've got a plural word, y'all, right? And so this would read, because this is the Greek and the Greek can show forms that show this is plural or this is singular. So we would say y'all work out y'all's own salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, In the first service, um, Mary uh, came up to me and said, I was with somebody on a boat and they were talking about this. And they said, well, the real plural is all of (laughs) y'all. I would call that a plural intensive, you know, (laughs) not just y'all, all all of y'all. So they're they're really three tenses, I guess, Um, singular, plural and intensive plural. Um, But you get the feeling here. See, it's have this mind in Christ Consider one another as more important. Therefore, work this out among yourselves. You see? Make this happen in your fellowship. That's the point here. Not just Darwin fixing his own self, you know, and all this. That's not the point. Y'all, I've been talking to y'all all this time, right, about y'all having this attitude toward one another. And now I'm telling you it's basically like have this mind that's in Christ and he comes back and says, "I said do it." That's the feel of this, the strength of this. And of course, if that's where it ended, we'd all just throw up our hands and say, "Well, that's great. Yeah. We with our strength and weakness and my weakness is my tendency" to be against others and dislike people that don't agree with me and I have it like all of us have it how how's that going to work but he gives the reason why we can do that for and that word is in there for because god is at work in you and the original that we talked about this some weeks ago but in the original the word god is put up front And that's the way uh, it it underscores. It puts it in yellow highlight. So it's not just for God is at work in you. No, it's for it is God who is at work in you. That's who's at work in you. Work this out among yourselves because God, and again, is at work in y'all. Isn't that encouraging? Now, that means he's at work in each one of us so that we will give ourselves to each other and become a better y'all, right? But he's working with us all together so that we all can grow in this. And this is the, this is my name for him this morning is the star God. That's not, you know, because I went outside at six to just, I'm I'm checking every once in a while with my, my app, you know, and to see what stars are up there and, there was the wonderful crescent moon about 6 a.m. with Venus right below it. And over here was the red Mars. And I got thinking and I looked a few things up about stars. And, you know, they are there because there's thermonuclear fusion that's burning this great mass of hydrogen and producing helium. How did he come up with that one? Right. And how many times has he done it or how many How many of these is he keeping? You know, you've seen those uh, old-timey acts where they keep 18 plates on sticks, you know, spinning, that kind of thing. The number that I read is 10 to the 24th power. That's, as I understand it, one, 24 zeros. What do you call that? A gazillion, that's what you call it. Who who, who can even think about that? All of those gazillion stars, each of them in the particular place of their galaxy, each galaxy where he wants it to be, each star burning in exactly the way he wants it to. What in the world? What kind of unlimited capacity does God have? And Paul says, God. It is God who's at work in y'all to form humility, to enable you to count one another as so important. It's God. And it's also very encouraging that he gives us this, both to want and to will. It's not just, you know, I'll have the discipline. I'll make myself do it. I don't want to do it, but no, no. He will work within us. This God who runs stars will, with his power, work in us to create the desires that please him. What do you think the desires that please him would be? Well, we know that that we will have the heart of Jesus toward one another, that we'll be humble toward one another. And wanting is hard. You know, kids, you've got... Uh, One little girl, oh, I just used a girl first. Let's use a boy this time. So he's got two cookies. He got two cookies. And his uh, mother's saying, are you going to give a cookie to your brother? No. You need to give a cookie. I don't want to. There's want, right? I don't want to give a cookie. Well, I know you don't want to, but you need to. I don't want to. Well, you think it's right for you to have two cookies and you're... Your brother does watch you eat two cookies without a cookie? Yes, (laughs) right? There's no limit to it, right? That's what I want. We all know that. We know what we want. Isn't it encouraging that he will change our wanting by his mighty power? And not just in us individually. He will change the wanting of our whole congregation. Yes, (laughs) So that we will conform to Christ. So that we will call and contact one another and listen to each other. And find out what each other is really thinking and feeling. Instead of long distance assumption, right? We will meet with one another. We will confess To one another if we need. We'll humble ourselves. We'll reconcile with one another. We are called to work it out. That's what he says. And we have hope. Because God is working in us. And so... He will give us the desire to meet and talk, the courage to confront if it's needed, the humility to confess. And all of this is all the more important, of course, because of our isolation. So isolation plus social media, plus judging, plus self-protecting, plus twisted priorities, plus fear, plus desiring everything to be black and white, as I see it, is a formula for the destruction of any fellowship. But we can be like Christ. We can be like Christ. We in the spirit, we have a new life in Christ. As Paul says, it's no longer just me. It's no longer just Darwin. Thank God. It is Christ's life in me. And when you think of what the writer of Hebrews says, and you've heard me mention this before, but in Hebrews nine fourteen it says, he offered himself up by the eternal spirit which means the man Jesus was able to give himself away to bear our sin because the powerful Holy Spirit held him up and enabled him to do that. You see in this that the Trinity was laboring infinitely, the three, to work out our salvation. That Spirit... Is the spirit you have. That spirit that enabled that sacrifice is the spirit you and I have in Christ Jesus. So we have hope. We have hope. And let me say this we must not waste COVID, we must not waste the divisions that are occurring in our nation because they are meant for our good to help us form in the midst of that. And this leads us to the last point and to even more prove to be lights. Notice he's still on the same subject of how we treat one another. This is all one subject, one through 16. And that's why he says, do all things without grumbling. I like the translation better or disputing. It's usually what it means. The grumbling toward one another, the disputing over things, and many times things that are peripheral to the central issues of Christianity. So grumbling and disputing would be the opposite of humbling ourselves to one another, right? Be the opposite of counting one another's interests uh, ahead of my own. We live in this twisted world, and right now we see... You see it throughout the whole history of mankind, but we can see it more clearly in some ways that the the world is drawing up battle lines and they talk past each other. They don't listen to each other and then they turn against each other. And as Paul says, we must put away these things so that what we will be blameless stars showing forth God's glory by our love and humility to one another. And the star shines all the bright, more brightly against the darkness, right? This is opportunity. (laughs) We can't be fearful in that sense. I mean, we can be fearful in the sense of we're scared for ourselves and we know how weak we are, but not as to God's grace. The progress of the gospel depends in part on the committed, growing love of the church. Jesus said it, right? They'll know your disciples if you love one another as I've loved you. That's what Paul's talking about. Love one another as Jesus loved us. He was humble. We be humble. That will let people know that we belong to Jesus. Or as he prays in John 17, make them one so that the world will know you sent me. You know, people are like, what makes you think? Or why should I think that God sent this one man, and this is the God that I should worship? Well, one thing that can begin to turn their head is they see something in us that is just baffling, <laughs> that they could serve one another and love one another, even in the midst of disagreement that they should be so kind and gracious to one another. We shine as lights. We shine as lights and of course we must not distort the gospel by preaching or distort it by preaching a false gospel but we mustn't distort it by becoming a counter example to its message so that we preach a God who humbled himself in Christ Jesus well why is it not apparent in your fellowship right It's two different messages. As we said last week, people can't be converted apart from the gospel proclaimed and believing the truth of the gospel. But we can do much to stand in the way of it. And as Paul alludes to here, if we persist, any church persists in unrepentant disunity as a church, then the work among us is in vain, Paul says. It meant nothing. And we have no alternative to continuing, sacrificing, seeking, humble love than the judgment of God. This is for all the marbles. (laughs) To love one another. And I would leave you, I'm so glad that Jacob picked, is it worthy? You know, we can ask this question. Is he worthy of this? Is he worthy to be trusted? Is he worthy, since he has loved us so much, to be trusted that he will gather us together and work in us? Is he worthy to be so honored that we want to imitate him? That's, that, that gives a, a great vision f- for us. He's worthy. He's worthy. He was worthy alone to, be, to take the scroll uh, and, and hold the scroll, to open the seal and hold the scroll, which represent his control of history, which tells you something else about God. Who is worthy to run history? Oh, the one who sacrificed himself and showed that I'm a God of humility and love. He's worthy to run history. And finally, brothers and sisters, when Jesus is <clears throat> praying in John 17 about unity and love, he also prays along with make them one, keep them from the evil one. And that's, that's what this is about, right? It's about the evil one, the roaring lion who seeks to devour. And he would seek to devour so that we end up devouring one another, as Paul says in Galatians 5. He says, don't use your freedom for the flesh to devour one another, which is amazing that we would do that. But that's what we do. We even use the grace of God for license. That's what I do. How helplessly we must cling to God's grace And not be praying so much for the other person, except that God would comfort and grow them. But Lord, help me see how I'm an obstacle to the unity of our church. Help me see, and I don't see, how I may be uh, devouring and not even know it. When we would take our kids walking when they were little, uh, before we had a dog ourselves... Sometimes a pretty big dog would come up and you could tell he's wagging his... Is, and I had dogs and cats and everything, a lot of stuff coming, growing up. So I, I love animals, of course, but you can tell he's, he's not out to hurt anybody. He's just wagging his tail. But suddenly, as he approaches, the blood is squeezed out of both legs, right? kind of son over here and a dog over here and they're just clinging to daddy. And if they can, they'll get up into your arms... And like Ray Romano says, and you try to put them down and they have jelly legs, you You just can't put them down. They're going to stay here, you know? And it's interesting that also as they're clinging to you, they will cling to one another as well. And I would offer that as a picture for us as we face the enemy who's far greater than us. We have no capacity to. War against what he would create in our congregation of divisions. We have no capacity in ourselves. And I have every sinful tendency in myself. Oh, let's cling to him. Cling to the mighty grace of Jesus and cling to each other as we cling to him. That he might protect us and we might be a glory to Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we... Pray for your grace for our congregation. O oh Lord, bless us and make us like yourself. For your glory, amen.